of this year, or perhaps even in your own heart, we're not to wring our hands. The angel said to the frightened shepherds 2,000 years ago, fear not. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. In 1861, Macy's department store tried a, a sort of a new innovation. They invited Santa Claus to come and be in their department store during the, the month of December and allow kids to come and talk about what was on their Christmas list, what they wanted for Christmas. Well, it turned out like worked pretty well because it did get families in the store, especially the toy department. And so Macy's tried it again. And for 169 years, Santa Claus has been in Macy's stores. I don't know of many things that sort of exemplify the changes that we've experienced other than true, the true human suffering we've seen over the past year. But anything that shows how different this Christmas is than the fact that after 169 years, Santa Claus is not going to be in Macy's stores this Christmas season. He was in the parade, but that's it. Just because the contact is too close. Things really are different this Christmas. And so we've been thinking about how do we, how do we celebrate Christmas this year? And we've thought a little bit about how well, the things that were really important last year, last year we were getting ready for a series we called Christmas at the Movies, remember that? And we had posters around, and it was just so totally different. This year, we brought back what was traditional, because it seems like we need something that feels a little familiar, that feels like Christmases that we've had before as a church and as individuals. But we also look on our Christmas list, and my guess is your list looks a little different than it did last year as well. Maybe electronics and toys and clothes are not as high on the list, but it's other things that we've missed out on this year. Thanksgiving was very different. We didn't get to gather with as many of our family and friends as we normally would, and maybe Christmas is going to be a little bit like that too. So what's really important is, well, having a few minutes with people that we love. And maybe some other things have really risen to the top of the list. Things like love and joy and peace and hope. I think we're desperate for those things this Christmas season. And so over the next three Sundays, and then we'll finish up on Christmas Eve, we're going to think about those things being on our Christmas list of things that we really would like to be present in our lives as individuals and families and as a church. And, and each week talk about one of those things, love, joy, peace, and hope. Today we begin with what the scripture calls the greatest of these, which is love. You know, in the English language, we play pretty fast and loose with the word love. In other languages, you may know, there are multiple words for love, and they can fine-tune how they speak about love in ways that we really can't when we speak English. And what we find is that we use the word in lots of different ways to mean really different things. Like, I could tell you I love chocolate cake. And that would be a true statement, okay? I really do enjoy chocolate cake. And you can put nuts on it. You can put chocolate chips on it. This season, you could put peppermint on it. I'd be happy with any of those things, okay? And if you want to do that, that would be all right. I would enjoy that, okay? I do love chocolate cake, okay? But I could also say I love Christmas trees. 
I mean, I don't think our stage looks any better throughout the year than it does right now with the trees that are behind me. I love the way that it looks, and when we have to take all that down, I'm going to miss it, okay? I love that, that look at, in church. I love having our Christmas tree at home. I love seeing other people's Christmas trees. I mean, that's something really enjoyable about the holiday season. But I love Christmas trees in a really different way than I love chocolate cake, right? Okay, it's a different thing. I could tell you that I love our gray tabby cat. We've been more of a dog family for a lot of years, but our youngest daughter about a year and a half ago really wanted a cat, and she's super responsible and shown herself in that year and a half to be super responsible and taking care of him. But I sort of fallen in love with him. I mean, he wants to be with us all the time, sit in our laps. He's always there. I love our little cat, but in a different way than I love chocolate cake, which is entirely appropriate, right? <laughs> I could tell you that I love my daughters. You know, we waited a long time before our kids came along, and they've been a huge blessing in our lives. And uh, every day I'm thankful for them and thankful for their part in our lives. And it's so special, but obviously, again, that's very different than the other kinds of love I've talked about. And I could tell you, I love my wife after 31 years. I love our friendship and our partnership and everything that we share. And clearly, again, that is a very different love from how I love my daughters and certainly the other things. I love my parents. I love my friends. I love my church. All those are really different. So this Christmas season when we say, man, love is at the top of our list, what do we mean? Well, I think people might mean different things when they say that, right? Maybe some people would say, I want to be in love. And that's really an important thing in our lives. And maybe there are people that really, I mean, what they want is a romantic relationship and not sort of in a silly way, but just to, to have someone that they're beginning to spend life with and looking forward to a long-term relationship that would lead to a family and all that. Well, that would be a huge blessing for some people and a thing that is entirely appropriate to pray for. That's a good thing. Other people might say, that they just want someone to love them. Right? Maybe they feel lonely or rejected or unlovable or unworthy of love. And they just want to know that someone loves them. For other people, it might be that they want to know that God loves them. Maybe you grew up in one of those traditions where you heard a whole lot more about God's wrath and God's punishment than you ever heard about God's love. And you felt rejected by God because you saw your own sin and your own imperfections. And it's been a real struggle to ever understand that God loves you. That God is filled with grace and love. And yes, there is punishment, but there's also the fact that God offers for forgiveness and that we can avoid that punishment. And so to know that God loves you is really important. <clears throat> so at this Christmas, with love at the top of our list... What does Scripture have to say about that? What does Scripture speak into our understanding of the heart of love? I want us to think about that for a few minutes. And to do that, we're going to turn in just a few minutes to uh, the book of 1 John. Now, throughout most of the series that will lead up to Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the story of Jesus' birth. Okay, We're going to look at the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth. But today, I wanted to, to go to a little different place because this man, John... 
spent so much time with Jesus, and in the letter that we call 1 John, he speaks directly to what love is. Now, I think John was uniquely situated to explain to us what God's love is all about, right? Because John was with Jesus throughout his ministry. He was chosen as one of the 12. When we see three sort of pulled to the side, John is one of them, Peter, James, and John. And when it's just Jesus and one other person, it's John. He's called the one that Jesus loved. And so here's John, a man who witnessed Jesus acting in love, heard Jesus teaching about love. If anybody can tell us how Jesus understood love, it's John. And so when, when he sets out to write about this, this is what he says. We're just going to look at three verses in 1 John chapter 3. This is what he says beginning in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Now think about that. You know, lots of times in Scripture, if we're called to understand something important, this is how it works. In life, if we want to understand something that really matters, like not physics, but something that matters to our hearts, like if we want to understand the nature of God, if we want to understand forgiveness, what kindness looks like, if we want to understand any of those things, Scripture gives us some instructions. Look at Jesus. We have no better picture of who God is than Jesus himself, the Son of God. In fact, God in the flesh. That's part of the whole story of Christmas. So if you want to know what love is, here it is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And the verse finishes with these words, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, there's a whole lot packed in one little verse right there, right? If you want to understand what love is all about, the best way to get that is to look at Jesus and the way he died. And we have to note it's not just that Jesus died, right? I mean, it's not just that he died. We all die. It's more than that. Jesus died for a purpose. He died with a reason. There was meaning attached to it. When Jesus died, something changed about human existence. Suddenly we had the opportunity to be forgiven. Suddenly we could look to eternal life. All the things that we had done to push ourselves away from God could suddenly be wiped away and that relationship could once again be made whole because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus took everything I had done wrong to the cross with him, along with everything you have done wrong. And because of that, his death had meaning. And so we can say this is what love is. Jesus died on the cross. But then we're given this instruction. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And, and we might say, what exactly does that mean, right? I mean, it's not very often that anyone is ever asked, okay, you've got to give up your life for the benefit of someone else. Like, you have to die so that someone else has a better life or so that they can live at all. That, that just doesn't really happen. It does happen occasionally, but thankfully, it doesn't come up very often. So, is there anything in John's instruction that speaks to us in daily life. And I think there is. Because 
death is not the only way we give our lives, right? It's not the only way we lay down our lives. Sometimes giving our lives means giving something that matters to us. Sometimes giving our lives means actually giving what we have, our resources, including our time. The very moments that tick away in life, when we lay those down for the benefit of another people, that's part of what John's talking about. In fact, he gives us an illustration of that. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's an example. John says if you want to know what laying down your life looks like, pretty simple. If you're a person who has material possessions, okay, who's he talking about? Well, people who woke up indoors this morning, had clothes to put on, food to eat, a car to drive, church, us, right? He's talking to us. He says, if you look around and you see a brother or sister, who's that? Well, guess what? That's, that's us again. That's fellow believers. That's the folks in the room and the people who were in the room earlier. If you see a brother or sister who has a, a need and you ignore it, how can that be love? Now, it's easy to read that verse and instead of making it an illustration of really uh, powerful, impacting love, to start making it a limitation of love. Because here's, you see what we do is we say, oh, well, Jesus, uh, John is saying that what we're called to do is love our brothers and sisters. So it's just, it's just people in the church that matters. And that gives us a little comfort because we sort of like these people. It's the people we don't know, people out there, the people who might be demanding. We're not so sure about showing love to them. I think if John heard us say that, he'd say, what are you talking about? I'm just giving you an example here, right? Or if we said, well, okay, John, John just talks about material possessions, so it's really mainly if somebody doesn't have food to eat or if they need something physical like this, uh, bring clothes in. Yeah, we can do that. And if we said, John, you just, you're, you just mean that stuff, right? I think, again, he would say, what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? What I'm telling you is, this is the way that love works. Be creative. Find ways to show the love of Jesus. It's not just about our brothers and sisters, though we should pay attention when our brothers and sisters are in need. And it's not just about physical needs like food and clothing. They probably would have had a little more of those needs evident in the group than we sometimes do in our world. But it could be about emotional needs or spiritual needs. It could be about standing with people during really difficult times, praying with them and listening to them and encouraging them. I think all of those are needs that we might see in each other and ways of expressing the kind of love that we've received from Jesus. That's what John's talking about. So if we had to sort of take this and boil it down to one line, one lesson that we take away from this passage, I'd say it this way. We know love because Jesus was willing to show love. And that's how we understand what love is all about. 
We could all come up with examples of, of times when someone in our lives showed us real tangible love. I mean, they did something that powerfully impacted us at a critical moment, and we could say that was love, and, and we don't take away from that. But what John is telling us is that none of that compares to what Jesus did for us on the cross. To put it another way, what we might say is all of that that kind of love that we've received from other people and the kind of love that we show to other people is really only a reflection of the kind of love that Jesus showed to us on the cross. That's what we're saying. You know, this year has been different, right? And we've been restricted on the ways that we could show love. Like, simple thing, like, okay, I want to go visit a friend in the hospital. Well, the hospital doesn't allow visitors at the moment, so you're not going to do that. And it's been on and off, nursing homes, care centers, on and off, whether we could go visit people that we love. And so we've had to be creative. I think lots of people have made more phone calls, written more cards, sent more texts this year because we've wanted to stay connected to people that we love. We wanted to express the love of Christ through us so that people will see that we love them and maybe that God loves them as well. Well, that's a good thing, to learn to be creative in showing our love, because certainly Jesus did that. But if we think today about, okay, how does this work out in our relationships? What about having love on our Christmas list? Whether we want to be in love, we want to know that someone loves us, we want to know that God loves us, we want to express love, we want to show love to people that matter. However you want to list that, that that love is at the top of my Christmas list, how does all this relate to that? Well, I think this simple message, we know love because Jesus was willing to show love, And it replies to every one of our relationships in our life. Because what Jesus was all about was sacrifice. And we see that evident in this passage, right? He was willing to give himself on the cross. And we're called to lay down our lives. We're called to be self-giving people. So when it comes to our marriages, what would make my spouse's life better? richer, fuller? What would communicate to her or to him that I care deeply, that I really do love them and I'm willing to to give of myself? What What would communicate that they are so important in my life? We're not talking about diminishing ourselves or our needs. We're talking about lifting them up. It would only make for a healthier marriage or a relationship that could lead to marriage. In our parenting, as we relate to our parents or grandparents, as we relate to our grandchildren, the people in the room, our coworkers, whoever it is, if we take the lessons that we learn from Jesus and say, okay, what is best for this person in front of me? What is best for this person in my life? This person that really matters to me. What can I give of myself that will make their life better? We're on the right track. And I think we're answering the question, how can the love of God be in that person? Because we're willing to lay down our lives. 
We only know love because Jesus was willing to show love. And when we show love, we are modeling our lives after Jesus. And so this Christmas season, if love is at the top of our list, it's my hope that we begin our understanding of that love by recognizing just how much we have been gifted by God in Jesus. And just how much that gift transforms how we understand ourselves, how we understand other people, and how we understand our relationships. Because it's all about showing the love that we've received from Jesus himself. Let's pray together. God, we're blessed by the love of Jesus. We're blessed by knowing just how much he was willing to give for us. And God, we celebrate that this morning. We're going to celebrate that throughout this season as we think about his birth, but also always reflect on the fact that his death fulfills everything about his birth. And so, God, we come to you today asking as well that you would help us to reflect all that he was in our lives so that other people see that same kind of love in us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship. <laughs>